Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Does all of heaven do when even one comes into the kingdom? It's a celebration. It's an absolute joyous celebration. There is nothing like the love of God to transform us. And so let me just sit down and let's jump into today's teaching. I have a question for you. Have you ever had a moment where you felt, uh, well, you were devalued, you were treated unkindly, maybe you were less than loved in the moment? I remember when of my first experiences of that, I was... I was moving into uh, uh, elementary school for the first time. It was near the end of elementary school, and and I'd, I'd only met the uh, the person across the street. Her name was Kathy. She was in the same grade. But but when I when I went on the first day, I don't know anybody, and and I'm just sitting there waiting for the bell to ring to let us get into the school. And in order to let us into the school, while we waited, I three guys approached me. I was kind of sitting on a bench. Three guys approached me. The middle guy, Morgan kind of puffed his chest out, poked my chest. So I just want you to know, Kathy is my girlfriend. Don't you even go near her. You do, we'll kick your butt. Welcome to a new elementary school. I felt less than loved. Anyone ever have an experience where you felt less than loved, less than kindly treated? Sure you have. Now, on the other hand, have you ever had an experience where you, where you felt loved or, or, or valued or, or, or treated kindly? Well, no doubt. My, that was earlier on in life. That was in kindergarten. We, we moved to schools when I was in kindergarten earlier on, and it was halfway through the year, so that was rough. Mom walked me down the long hall of Burr Oak Elementary School, knocked on the door, Kindergarten teacher opened it. Oh, we have a new student. And, and the class was in the middle of, of indoor recess. She got everyone's attention, which was horrible for me. Everyone stop. We have a new student. And everything in the world stopped. Do you know what I mean? Like in that moment, you're, I want to die. want to get away. The new student is Kevin. And for, for a moment like eternity... What's going to happen? And one student yelled, hey, Kevin, why don't you come over here and play with us? And life was awesome. Hey, how many of you ever had an experience where someone treated you kindly, where they valued you, where you felt like you matter? It's a profound thing. Why am I bringing this up? Because every day of your life, listen, every day of your life, you make a decision. It tends to be one of those two. Are you going to value people? Or do you devalue people? Hey, you make that decision at home when you get up. You make that decision on the road, in traffic. That's not even fair, is it? You make, you make that decision when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're on the sports field, when you're shopping, when you're at church, anywhere in the world where you're always making a decision. Do you value people or do you devalue people? And you're always deciding. Where, where, where are we going? Why am I having this conversation? Because we just finished the Nicene Creed, the unchanging truth of God. And, and now we need, we need to take it one step further and talk about the unchanging truth 
that we need to act upon. And it's simply profound. I, we, we, we sing about it. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. Love God and love others. For the next two weeks, two-part series, what does the church believe about love? Let me just put it on the screen for you here. What does the church believe about love? Here's where we're going today. Now it's two weeks to this weekend and Father's Day weekend, but here's where we're going today on part one. Why is love important? And then why is loving others confusing? And then we got to learn how to receive God's love, stay in God's love, love yourself and love others. And by the way, I'm going to come right back to this little living room setup and have an interview, a conversation, share the story of Lindy, have her share her story. It's, it's really quite a profound story, but let's get to the teaching. Let's, let's get to our floor. Why? Why is love important? Let's go there. Let's answer that right off the top. And it takes us to the question. Jesus was asked, what is the first and greatest commandment? Now, now we have God himself Left heaven has come to earth and he's going to teach us what is the most important thing. Get a hold of this. You want to know why this conversation is important? Here's how Jesus answered. Love the Lord your God. Love, love. Say it with me. Everybody do what? Love was not enthusiastic enough. I am fired up kind of in that spirit where I got more to say than I have time. This is going to be an ambitious day. Y'all got to be all in. So we'll start again. Well, how does it start? What's the word? Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. All, all, all. You got to be all in for love. All in in your love for God. This is the first and the greatest commandment, but he's not done. And the second is like it. Love, say it with me, do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So why is this whole love thing important and what the church believes about love? Well, obviously, because... God called it first and second. First place and second place. And then he tied them together. Listen, God, God is the source of love. It originates with him. It is defined by his character and it's revealed in redemption. For God so loved the world. That word love in the Greek is agapo. Similar to agape. Not identical, but similar. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, real love. Real love is inwardly selfless. God so loved, he gave. It is selfless. If you're looking for a definition Oh, what does love do? It's selfless. It's what? Selfless. For God so loved the world. He was selfless. Listen, we don't love well because we can't hardly get beyond ourselves. Come on now. Real love gets beyond itself. We, we're so, sin gets us so consumed with self that we can't hardly get beyond ourselves. And when we say we love someone, what it often means is for what they do for us. It is no small thing to get past yourself. Real love is inwardly selfless. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. 
He gave his son. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 14. Greater love has no one than this, that they give their life for their friends. That, that they demonstrate love by sacrifice. See, love is inwardly selfless and outwardly sacrificing. Everybody got it? That's why this thing is a high calling of God. But we use love like for everything, don't we? I mean, this past week I said, I love ribs. So next week on Father's Day, we're going to do what we always do, and I'm going to grill ribs. I'm going to get on the, the, the green egg, and I'm going to make some ribs. I'm going to get some, some Sunday's barbecue. I'm going to just dump, I'm going to just cover it in barbecues. It's going to be so fantastic. Mm. Love me some ribs. I love motorcycles. God's in that. Wives, if your husbands need a motorcycle. Ladies, you need one. Listen, what do you love? We love love. Just tell somebody. Just, I don't care where you are. You're one of the campuses live. You're at Trostle Home. Just, just tell people what you love. I don't care if you yell it out. Just, if you're sitting there with some friends online, tell them what, right now. Just what do you love? I mean, it can be anything. You know, I love Chick-fil-A. I love Walt Disney. I love vacation. I love the beach. Yeah, I, I love this outfit. Uh, I love PK's outfit today. He's looking good. I love this topic. I, I, what, we got a whole oh, I kind of love, love, love. We use love so often for so many things that we water it down and steal its power. So we don't even know what we mean by love. But real love is inwardly selfless and outwardly sacrificing. Man, if you don't know what I mean, let me, let me explain it to you. Hamilton, the guy who wrote Hamilton, wrote a new musical. It's a movie. It's called In the Heights. It's two hours and 23 minutes. Why? Why? How can you sing that long? You know what love is? Love is your wife saying, I want to go see that. And love is going, which I did this past week, for two hours and 23 minutes without being on my phone or falling asleep. Come on now, that's love. That right there, that is love. It is selfless. And so I just lost points. All the points I made for doing that, I just, I just, yeah, that's how marriage works. We use love for everything. But love is something very distinct. In fact, the reason it's so confusing is we only have one word to cover it all. Back in the New Testament time, the Greek language had four different words for love. Let me, let me just give you a little context for it. Eros is one of the Greek words for love. Eros, more romantic love. And, and by the way, that's an authentic word for love. God's design for romantic love, the author of it. And that's not the same thing as other words we tend to use. We tend to put the word lust in for love, which is really selfish craving and desires. And it's about you, not others. And we often call that love. We use other words for love that are really immorality. We call that love. See, anything outside of, of, of God's design of sexual expression, authentic romantic love between a man and woman by God's design, that, that's, that's not love. That, that's love. That's porneia. That's immorality. And there's four Greek words. The first one is eros. 
But, but we're talking more than that. Phileo, that's more friendship. And, and loving each other is that, but it's more than that. There's a storge. That's family loyalty, and that Greek word for love is meaningful to us, and it, it's, it's, it's that, but it's more than that. It's agape or agapao is the Greek. It means unconditional love. Let me put it in this context. We, his redeemed followers, need to stay in his love, living inwardly selfless and outwardly sacrificing. We value people even when they do not share our values. Oh, my gracious, we should be writing this down. We should be taking notes right now. They, oh, oh, that's what's separate. It isn't love because you do things the way you believe everything I believe. You, I love you. We, we value people because God values people. He created them in his image. They have inherent dignity. When God stamps value, they have value. We don't devalue people. We value people whether they share our values or not. We love like God because God loves us. And he calls us up. We should be like, yeah, that is so good. He calls us up. To a greater love. Now, why is it confusing then? Like it's, talk about why is why is love confusing? And more, what I mean is why we got to talk about it. Why is loving others confusing? Why is it breaking down? I'm glad you've asked. And I'm, I'm just gonna try and say it tightly, but I think. It's what the Lord would have us say. I think in the COVID season, something broke in our relationships. It happened at homes and culture and got brought into the church. Hostile, divisive, sometimes sincerely off track. And it broke loving God and loving others. And a whole lot of church. We did not escape that. I had a very, very candid conversation with you last fall. The infamous, I'm not your politician, I'm your pastor dialogue and the church is not for sale. And I knew people were frustrated because I would not turn 12 stone into a political tool. I even know that they would say that wasn't the point, but it was. That's very disappointing to many people. I know that. I am an equal opportunity offender. I understand. <laughs> and I know some of that's healing. I had a conversation with a guy this week. It was quite delightful. He said, PK, I just need to hear from you. I, I wrote some of the stuff down. That we're, I just need to hear from you that we're not, that we're not going to be a state church. We're not going to be a cultural church. That, that, that we're... we're, we're we're not driven by the culture. We're not owned by the culture. I got to know that we're not some kind of an, an extreme kind of woke church or an extreme kind of QAnon church or a church that's only for, for one ethnicity, that we're not a church just for whites or just for blacks or just for Asian or just for Hispanic or filling your ethnicity. I, I, I got to hear from you. I got to know we're not a church that's just only Democrats can be here or only Republicans. We're a Republican church. And you got to, you got to believe in Republican before you come to Jesus, that we put stuff ahead of Jesus, that we're not a libertarian church. I just got to know that we're the church we were called to be. So I just, I need to hear you say, and I said, you can relax. We only bleed for Jesus. If it has biblical authority, we're going to preach it regardless of what's going on in our culture. And we're just not going to be a political tool. It's who we are. 
just so you know, we're, 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 we are biblically conservative and socially compassionate. Biblically conservative means this. We stand on the authority of God's word and we love God. That's what biblically conservative means. We love God because he loved us. We are socially compassionate. That means that we value people because he values people even when they don't share our values. Listen, when God gives you a prompt to love on someone, you go love on that person. We're reaching people who are spiritually far from God. We have a calling, an agenda, and deep conviction. We are supposed to be about that, church. I know COVID messed a lot of things up. I know we couldn't do the compassionate kind of stuff that we're used to doing. We're going to get back to it. Listen, if, I, if this is still your church and I'm still your pastor, we have got to quit holding back. We have got to get back to who we were called to be. COVID is ending. Let's get back to the call of the kingdom of God and get after the things that we were created for. And yes, we're going after that in the summer, and, and this is kind of a rebuild. This is coming back uh, to community, and so get back in it through this summer and, and be a part of community, whether it's 12 Stone Home or 12 Stone Live. Get in on that. Yes, I'm going to host a party, PK party. I turned 60. Get over it. Love it. It's fantastic. Best years of my life, so I'm going to be empty nestered. Finally. I love my son. God bless. Go. And go so I can miss you, uh, is what one, somebody once said. It's beautiful. And, and, and we're just going to celebrate everybody who is old, 55 and older, or, or anybody who wants to. And I don't care what age stays, somewhere in that 50s and, and, and on up. And you can, we're, we're going to talk about having a party for a purpose. Listen. All kinds of people spent their life trying to get to a space where they have freedom, and then you don't know what to do with it when you get there. You do not forfeit the calling and the conviction and the purpose of God when you get in older years. You leverage it all the more. We're going to talk about that. So how do you be a part of it? PK Party 37748. Just take your phone, 37748, put PK Party. And by the way, when you put PK in, sometimes it'll go, okay, it's not okay party. It's going to be better, and that's going to be PK Party. Anyhow, be a part of that if you want. But we have a calling. And listen, something got broken. It's confusing. So I'm going to stay candid. I think there are two risks that have occurred during COVID. Here's the first one. That we end up loving God without loving others. Just listen. Soak it in. We end up loving God without loving others. COVID has been so unsettling for so many. And so many are aware that good and godly things got lost in the COVID season. And the depth of frustration, and quite understood, the depth of frustration can lead us to so attach ourselves to the wisdom of God and frustration with others that we feel like we have permission to devalue people. And hear me, you can't love God and not love others and still honor God. I don't care how much biblical information you possess. When you have all the biblical information way beyond most and you're spiritually deep, and you get so frustrated with the people in the world around you that you start devaluing them. You are at risk of becoming self-righteous. The people Jesus was most harsh with were the Pharisees because they had the most information of truth. And they were the most harsh with other people.
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. All of us are vulnerable to this. But can't you just stop for a little bit and quit telling everybody what's wrong with them? Quit being like Morgan who showed up at the elementary school and puffed out his chest and poked mine and said, I'm going to kick your butt. It is not helpful to run around the world with a I'm going to kick your butt kind of disposition. You can't devalue people. The God who told us to love him told us to love others. Wouldn't you let the Holy Spirit just speak to you if that needs to be addressed in your life? Find courage in this. Don't you see that loving God but not loving others does as much to destroy the very kingdom you're trying to build, the kingdom of God? But there's another side, and it's happening during COVID, exacerbated in the COVID season. It's been happening in our culture, and that's loving others without loving God. Come on. That's loving others without loving God. Let me talk. Our culture has been watering down love to mean that there is no moral truth. Let's be honest. Even some who claim Christ are redefining God's love as affirmation of sin rather than redemption from sin. So let me give you a biblical caution. Loving others, agapao, cannot value the person but devalue God's values. Say it again. When you say, well, I'm just out to love others. If what you mean by that is all you do is affirm people's value and then their values, and there is no truth, and there's no moral right or wrong, you just love others, but you don't love God. That is not Jesus. That's heresy. There is truth. And there's no way to love others and have that fulfill God's call on your life if it devalues God. The first and greatest commandment is not love others. The first and greatest commandment is to love God. And the authentic, pure, beautiful love of God allows you to love other people. It doesn't mean you have to run around and poke your finger in people's chest and lead with, I'm going to kick your butt. It does mean that you value people because God does, and you can value people without sharing their values. Jesus did. Come on, church. Be a compassionate people that loves the world around you. And maybe the Spirit of God is telling you this has to be corrected because you got caught in the culture and you confused what loving others was. You've absorbed a world's view of loving others. Man, let's just become kindergartners for a while and tell one another, hey, come on, play with me. <laughs> you can come over here and play. You can be my friend. You're welcoming. There is something powerful about fixing what got broke during COVID. And that's why I think this love God, love others has gotten confusing. All right. Final thought we have to address. Here it is. We got to learn how to receive God's love. Stay in God's love. Love yourself and love others. Let me do it again. You got to learn how to receive God's love. And then stay right there in God's love. And then let that transform you from the inside out so that you can authentically love yourself. Not this sick worldly, I love myself more than anyone else. It's just me. That's the sick stuff we're trying to get over. It's, it's an authentic love that comes from God and helps make you whole. So that then the love of God, remember, love originates with God. He is the source of true love. We are not. And then that love we stay in, we're immersed in. And the love of God makes us more whole so that 
we can love others with the love that we've received from God. You got to understand it. And I don't know how to quite help us understand it. So I'm going to play with a little picture here. And I don't know if this will help. Every analogy has its limits. This has its limits. Just go with me. Here's a bowl. Let the bowl represent God. It doesn't have any holes. It's whole. It's perfect. Great. And let the water represent the, the love of God. And let the colander represent us. Let me talk for a moment. What is true is that we have holes. <laughs> We have holes in our soul. That's what sin does. Hole in our hearts, hole in our emotions. We're not whole. Even when God comes along and begins to pour his love in us and people receive something of the love of God, it doesn't stay. It just leaks through because when you have holes, that's what sin does to you. You're not whole. But when you come to the love of God and you begin to experience it, if you would receive the love of God, literally what it means is if you would soak in the love of God, this is to receive it. This is to surrender. See, Jesus told the story in Luke chapter 15 of a prodigal son. It was really two sons. There was a father who had two sons, an older son who, if you read the story, stayed with the father, but it was far more a checklist, not really a heart love. Then the younger son just said, yeah, I don't even care about the father's values. And he takes off. He's going to go his own direction. And so this younger son takes off. He dismisses his father's values. He goes his own way. He says, man, give me my inheritance. I don't need you. And, and lives on his own values, his own morals, his own, his own disposition, his own self-willed, his own self-deceived way, and discovers that that's empty. That's hollow. It literally says, Jesus said, and he came to his senses. When he came to his senses, he realized, well, this is foolish. This isn't what I was looking for. Probably what dad was teaching me really was the truth. I need his love. I need his provision. I, I, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father. Now, he wasn't expecting to be, be restored, and yet he found love, acceptance, and forgiveness. He was restored to the family. Dad threw a party and all of heaven celebrates because that's what happens on earth. God loving us. If we will come to our senses, here's what it means. It means we are people with holes and by the love of God, when we receive him, we receive his love. We soak in it. Stay with me though. I think a whole bunch of people believe that when you come into a relationship with God, you soak in his love, that you become whole in that all the holes get filled. Stay with me. It's not great analogy, but it's just what I need. I have not found many of my holes have been healed, but not all of them. In fact, I still think I have holes. And I think that it's only as you stay in the love of God that you feel whole because nothing's draining through the holes because the love of God is surrounding you. That's what makes you feel whole. But if you begin to pull away from the love of God, that love leaks out. And you know what tends to fill it? Exactly what happened at COVID. A whole bunch of us pulled away from the love of God or felt like we were forced to. And it gets replaced by fear and anxiety and worry and distance and relational stress and conflict and depression and uncertainty and sometimes materialism. We make foolish decisions and we wonder what's wrong. I have the love of God. But if you're separate and you're just getting a little bit of pouring and you're not staying, I think this is what he means by remain in me and I remain in you and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Include, you can't love well. You have to stay in the love of God in order to be whole. That's what makes you feel, experience, and know the wholeness of God. Then you can go love others. Got it? That's a picture. Now, that's not the end of it. That stuff has to be journeyed. So Lindy, come on up here. Would you all give a hand to Lindy Harley? Lindy, please come up. 
Have a seat, my sister. So gracious of you to do this. Courageous. Um, Church, I have known Lindy since you were eight years old, yep. and you're now in your early 30s. Yes, I am. So it's been a while. A little bit. Yeah, and I know that through the years, and even in these recent years, that you are a person who loves God, and you love others. It, it's, it's a wonderful story of how God works through you. I even said, look, let me take you places, and so go with me. Go, go with us in, in this. I, I want that. that, that there have been times you felt a prompt from the Holy Spirit, like at a Costco. We were talking, and I'm going to make you. What happened at Costco with the formula? I was standing in line at Costco, and there was a woman in front of me, and she was buying formula. And it was a formula that I had a lot of extra at at home because my daughter didn't eat it anymore. And I feel this prompt of, offer her the formula. I'm like, what? Like, I'm not creeping on her cart. Like, this is weird. And like, I, don't, I shouldn't be talking to her, you know? And then I kept following that prompt, and I'm like, Fine. So I tap her on the shoulder and I'm like, I know this is weird, but I was looking at your formula. I have a lot of extra. Do you want it? And she's like, well, yeah, that would be great. So we end up talking and connecting and talking about God. And she's like one of my best friends now. And so it was just following a prompt, just following just a prompt, a heart to love people. Yep. And I know you witness to people. You encourage people. Anytime God opens a door, I know you're doing stuff in the whole community. You're now up in South Carolina. Yes. I'm in Greenville. Yeah. In Greenville area now and, and, and building relationships with other moms. Uh, you also told me, I remember, wasn't it a story about, um, helping a mom at the car or it wasn't a mom helping a gal in the car. Oh yeah. There, when I was, when I was in, when I was in, um, university, when I was in college down in Milledgeville, um, I was walking by on way back to my, to my dorm room and this girl comes to me and, or she's going to come to me, she's sitting in her car and she's like sobbing. And I'm like, what in the world? And I feel this feeling of like, go talk to her. And I'm like, I've seen her once in like some class, like go talk to her. And I'm like, this is weird. Okay. So I knock on her window and it turns out that she's like, she's pregnant. She like wants to commit suicide. Her family's not going to accept her. She can't be loved. And I'm like, wow, this is intense. So I was like, I got in the car next to her and we drove around for two hours and I just kind of told her my story and we talked through things. And at the end she parked up and she's like, I'm going to call my sister. I think, I think I can make this work somehow, some way. And I was like, Whew. okay. You know, so let's stop right there. Church loving others means the spirit of God is going to prompt you. You're going to have moments where God's doing stuff in you and through you. And he says, Hey, go, go, go care for that person. And you feel a, almost a hesitation. Now, if it's someone you know, maybe it's easier. If it's someone you don't, it's more awkward. But God, so God's doing that in you through that through you. I know, and I know that that's easy for you because you grew up in a wonderful family. Your parents are sitting here, uh, the Birchill family. That's your 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 maiden name. Uh, you, your your dad has been my prayer partner for a hundred years. Uh, he Dave Birchill's an elder at the church. He's sitting right there. Dave, my man, my brother. Uh, your mom is is like a spiritual guru a giant uh, influencing people and discipling people and now a counselor and just uh, stunning. You have great brothers and family. You grew up in the church. It's always been easy for you to love God and love others. And if that were true, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. So for the next few minutes, I asked you to share a story we've never talked about publicly. Dave and I've never gone anywhere public with the conversation and the family said, have I, and you said, I'm willing. So somewhere um, before 18, you felt a bit lost, um, uncertain about who you were and fitting in and made some decisions up to 18 and from 18 soon after share the story. What happened? 
So, um, you know, being in high school, I was always trying to find friends, trying to find relationships, and I was never very good at it. I wasn't very good at making relationships. So I leaned a lot on church, go to church, you know, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Sundays. So I was trying to do all the right things. I grew up in a Christian family, so I knew the right answers of what I was supposed to do, but I never felt like a fit in anywhere. So I'm in high school, and I'm watching my friends have, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends and I'm like, I don't have that. I don't have these big groups of friends. I don't have anybody who really knows me. And I felt completely lost. Just, I don't fit anywhere. Nobody really knows me. Nobody really you know, has a relationship with me of any kind of depth. So um, I started going on the internet and um, getting into chat rooms and stuff and started talking to people and felt, wow, these people are so real. Like They like me for me. They accept me for me. They don't even really know me. So... But like these people online, they're, they're really interested in who I am as a person. So um, one person in particular, this gentleman, um, we start talking a lot, and he actually came from Texas to Georgia, and I was going to meet him. I remember sitting in the parking lot, like right before I met him, and thinking to myself, um, at this moment, I am going to either choose to follow this life to quote-unquote be myself and be free, or I have to choose my family. I cannot have both. And I sat in the car, I remember just having this debate and then getting out of my car and walking in to meet this guy and just basically surrendering any kind of relationship I would ever have, uh, surrendering a relationship with God because God will never love me and God can never accept me for what I'm about to, uh, what I'm about to do. Um, and then move forward just a little bit, I ended up pregnant um, at uh, 18 years old and, or 17 years old and being like, oh my word, now I'm really not going to be accepted. I can't tell anyone. I can't tell my parents. I can't tell my friends because I don't, it's, it's so taboo. So I told no one. And um, I remember sitting in a Chick-fil-A drive-thru and all of a sudden I felt myself miscarrying and I didn't know what to do. So I went to the ER. I sat there. The doctor was like, oh, you should be married, like very condemning. And I had no one to tell um, and just felt helpless. And at that point, I'm like, I can't stay here anymore. I have to leave. So um, on June the 5th, I actually left. And um, the gentleman came to, to Georgia. He flew in. And I had a whole story lined up. I wrote a letter to my parents saying, this is not your fault. This is not your issue. You know, keep doing your Bible thing. Keep doing your God thing. Y'all are doing great. Keep it up. But I can't live this way anymore because you have no idea what I'm going through. And he met me and we ended up driving, driving to Texas. So... Wow. You just shared a um, huge weight and undoing. Things are going on inside of all of us. And there are two conversations, the one everybody experiences and the one we're having alone. And everybody's having that at every stage of their life. When you sat there and said at the hotel, this is about to shift my life. It is. That's, you talked to me about that almost being the prodigal daughter season. Um, so you didn't tell your parents what you were going through. You didn't tell them you were leaving. You left a note and disappeared. And um, did you even tell them specifically location? or? I sent my mom a text and told her, I don't remember exactly, but I remember like I'm leaving. I left you with like a note under my pillow and then I turned off my phone. Well, I was on the other side of that with your parents, your dad. And that was heavy. 
as I knew you and knew what was going on and obviously didn't know what was going on and they didn't know what was going on inside. And um, we're going to, by the way, we're going to next week, part two, uh, Dave Birchall, your dad has agreed on Father's Day to let me sit with him and talk his side of the story. Uh, so unbeknownst to you, when you, your dad and I chatted and family, um, I said, well, Dave, let's go. He said, what do you mean? Let's go. I said, well, let's find out where she is and go love your daughter without controlling. Um, remember that Dave gracious God have mercy. And so we, we got it <laughs> like a private detective and found out through a computer, all that, where you were. And uh, we flew to Texas and we showed up at your door. I got an officer to make sure like that if Kenneth was there with you, that it wasn't um, like a, a domestic violent moment because I who knows what was about to happen. Uh, he came to the door. How long had you been there? We, we so we drove from Georgia to Texas and I gave I told my parents like the day that we were leaving what was going on or the, yeah, the day before. And um, so I could be out of the state and we had literally pulled in. I had put my suitcase down, I think 30 minutes and there's a knock at the door and I'm like. Okay, open the door, and there's a policeman. I'm like, how did they find me that fast? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how? <laughs> oh, have mercy. <laughs> it was awkward. Very. Uh, so we had a conversation with you, your dad, myself, brought a couple friends. Um, we ended up going to lunch. That was weird. Yes. Um, you told me later something surprised you the most and how your dad handled that. Well... My dad is an amazing man, but he's an emotional man, like I am. So I am expecting like guilt and tears and anger and like I'm some kind of extreme emotion, and I never got it. Not once did my dad ever show any extreme emotion, and I have no idea how he did that. And then in the moment, we went back from the restaurant, we came back to the house, he came to me and we're standing outside in front and he said, are you coming home? And I said, no. He's like, make sure you call your mom. We love you. We want open communication. Gave me a hug and he got back in the car and you guys left. And to this day, I will never know how my dad could do that. I have kids of my own and I would drive them kicking and screaming. Yeah. And he didn't. I would, there was no guilt. There, it was just... Call your mom, open communication. That's all they wanted. And I, it just, it stymied me. So to this day, it stymies me that he could do that as a father. Because you have two kids. Do we have a picture? I, we sent you a picture of her kid. Look, that's how cute. You want to introduce your kids? <laughs> so that's my son, Kian. He's two. And that's my daughter, Searsha, and she's three. And your husband, Sean, is sitting right here. Uh, did you come home immediately? No. I stayed there for about two and a half, three months. And in that time, it was, you know, my, my, my freedom, if you will, was the most unfreeing experience I think I've ever had because I could not get a job. I could not go to school. I couldn't travel. I was in the middle of nowhere with somebody who had a job. He was making no money. Um, and I kept thinking that just, I want to do so much more. Like, I want to teach. I want to travel. I want to see things. I wanna, there was so much in me that I wanted but I couldn't do it where I was. And I hit a point where my freedom was the worst cage I had ever been in. And I needed to get out. So after about two and a half, three months, I called my mom and said, I want to come home. 
And she said, are you sure? This is your choice. Are you sure? I said, yes. And so she flew to Texas and we drove back to Georgia together. So, and then from there I went, um, I got a job. I went back to school, um, still not choosing to live a Christian life and thinking if I worked hard enough and, you know, I could still live the way I wanted to, you know, under their rules because it was their house, but still I could, I could finally be myself. But the relationships I was forming weren't fulfilling. They were, they were draining because I was always performing. Whether I was performing in the church or I was performing with my other friends, it was always a performance. At no point did I ever feel like myself, which was the end goal for all of this. Why well, I put myself and my family through all of this. And I remember being in Florida at the beach with a friend and being so frustrated and angry and just and standing there and it is windy and it's cloudy and I'm standing on the beach and I'm like, God, where are you? Like, you are the only thing at this point. There's nothing left of me. I can do nothing else. Where are you? And in a moment, the wind stops, the clouds part, and there's the biggest moon I'd ever seen. And you just hear that still small whisper of, I have always been here and I have been waiting for you to turn around. And it was that moment that I was like, okay, like this, let's, let's figure out how to live this way. And the only way I could figure out how to do it, because I had all the Bible answers, I knew I could speak Christianese very fluently, but the application of that, I didn't know how to do. And the only way I could figure it out was to do what Jesus did, and that was to love people. And so I decided in that moment, I'm like, right, I'm just going to love people. I'm going to, you know, do quiet time in the morning, but like loving people is the only thing that would be different than what I've ever done before. And so that's why... To this day, I just, I just want to love people, you know? I want to love them for who they are. And I can relate so many, I can relate to so many people because of what I've went through. And I can try and help them and love them through the process, knowing that they're hurting so badly, but they're just wanting someone to love them where they are, for who they are. Doesn't that sound like God, to love you so well and restore you like a prodigal and then fill you and then help you find you so that you can be free from you to go love others. Come on, church. Can we not say, yay, God? Yay, God. We'll cut right there. We have more that we can talk about. Love you. Church, we're going to pick up next week on Father's Day. Dad, I'm going to talk to you as fathers. I'm going to talk about how does that work right here? What, what does it mean? As she has just discussed, she says, well, I got back in God's word. I, I got in my devotions. I, 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 learned, I learned how to stay in God's love so that I could be a carrier of God's love. And I had all the Christianese in the words, but now I had to learn how to live it out. So we're going to pick up in part two. We're going to take all of this theology and all of this journey. And then next week on Father's Day, we're going to apply it to our lives. How do you take this and begin to live it out? What does it look like? And in particular, I'll talk to men, but everybody will hear. It's for everyone. But I'll talk in particular to dads, the unique calling on our lives. But then how all of us take in the love of God. Stay in the love of God. Be transformed to know how to love ourselves. And then in that, learn how to love others. So church, what an ambitious calling from the living God. So I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors. We're going to pray over you. May God help us love like him and love others like he loves others. Amen. Enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.